When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact Theory. Impact, baby! Hey everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. Our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you actually execute on your dreams. All right, today's guest is widely recognized as the toughest man alive. The only member of the U.S. Armed Forces to complete SEAL training, the U.S. Army Ranger School, where he graduated as enlisted honor man, and the Air Force Tactical Air Controller Training. He entered Bud's Hell Week three times in one year, completing it twice despite a seriously damaged knee, multiple stress fractures, and a hernia. He served in combat in Iraq, was the bodyguard for the Iraqi Prime Minister, completed an ultra-marathon with pneumonia, and once held the Guinness World Record for most pull-ups in 24 hours with 4,030. All in all, he's completed over 60 endurance and ultra-endurance events, often winning or at least placing in the top five. And when he was asked how he's been able to accomplish so much, he says simply that he hated what he saw in the mirror enough to make a change. Having grown up bullied and abused both physically and mentally, by the time he graduated high school, he was, by his own admission, broken and weak. But instead of accepting that, he turned inward, stopped saying woe is me, and got to work becoming the man he wanted to be. To do that, he learned to embrace suffering and leverage pain as a way to toughen his mind. And the resulting man that he has become and his indomitable spirit has so inspired the world that he has become the one that the driven among us hang on their mirrors as a reminder of just how much is possible. As iconic NFL coach Pete Carroll said, in my pursuit to understand and learn from the greatest competitors in the world, he is the one that sets the standard. So please, help me in welcoming the man who once ran 205 miles in 39 hours without stopping, the author of Can't Hurt Me, the legend himself, David Goggins. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So I am beyond excited to be doing the second go-around with you. The first one for me was utterly transformational. Just researching you and the way that your mind works. I'm really, I mean, as evidenced by the shirt that I'm wearing, <laughs> I really am that guy that like put your picture up and it was just became this reminder of, of what we can all do if we're willing to push past that pain and all of that. Right. But speaking of pain, I want to know, why is the book called Can't Hurt Me? There's some, I guess, some inside fuck yous to people <laughs> in there, but it's an overall message to people that we're all, you know, a lot of us are going through a hard time in life. Some people have been bullied. Some people are just stressed out. Some people are insecure. Some people are fat and overweight. And the world puts a lot of this shit in your mind. Mm. It's not just you. Yeah, you help it. And my whole thing is about I had to develop a mindset a mindset that was indestructible. I had to armor plate my mind. And it's about what you're saying to yourself, but it also comes with work. So whenever I was getting beat down, physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever I was going through, just saying, you know, I would put, you know, you can't hurt me. Can't hurt me just became a message. I, you know, I would say to myself, and that's just kind of where it comes from. What I find so interesting is your concept of the governor, mm -hmm. that basically I have the chills, that an expert is somebody who's going to tell you what your limits are right. rather than the person that's out there practicing getting you beyond the limit. So what is the governor and how do we strip it out of our lives? I believe that most human beings are only living at about 40% of their capability. So the mind has a governor, like a car. If you're driving a car and the car has a governor on it, the car may say 130 miles an hour, but the governor set for 91. Once that governor sets in, you get to 91, that car starts doing this. The car wants to go. The car wants to go, but that fucking factory said, uh-uh, we're not going past 91. We have a factory, a nice governor in our brain, and it's a survival mechanism. It protects us from pain and suffering. The second we feel that shit, our mind says, oh, no, this isn't fun. 
we should back off. We should sit down, find something more comfortable. And there's something about the mind. The mind has the tactical advantage over you at all times. At all times of your life, the mind has a tactical advantage over you. Why is that? It knows what you're afraid of. It knows your insecurities. It knows your deep, dark lies. And it starts to push you away from that shit. It pushes you in a direction that is comfortable. The mind controls everything. So what I realized was that when I was growing up and I was 300 pounds and I got all fat and I got all insecure, I realized that my mind kept taking me in this direction. When things got uncomfortable for me, when I was facing my insecurities, I was facing my fears, my mind said, oh no, we have a tactical advantage. We need to get you, separate you from this feeling. This feeling over here, life's all about feelings. We want the happy feeling. We don't want that feeling of this sucks. Why am I here? And you don't have any, so, so you can't answer those questions, so you leave. I started realizing that if in that moment you can answer those fucked up questions and you are now in charge of your brain versus your brain ruling you, that's where all that stuff comes from. So, so, so the 40% rule is all of that. You get to 40%, your brain says, we're done. Let's roll, man. This is starting to get painful. This is uncomfortable. So you sit down. You have to figure out ways, and everybody's different. That's how the book kind of talks about, like we all have these things about, you know, five steps to this and, and four steps to this. It's, it's a lot more than that. That's all bullshit. It's, it's a practice that you have to, it's a habit. So if you know that at 40%, I'm, you know, I'm feeling pain. At 40%, I'm feeling pain. That's where the 40% rule kicks in. Now it starts. Okay, I'm, I'm feeling pain. My mind's saying all this shit to me. It's saying, get out of here, run, flee. The fight or flight kicks in. Okay, we're done. We're not good enough. It starts telling you all these things. You start to believe it because the mind controls all. This is the time where you have to gain control back of your mind. It's okay. Let me see if I can go 45%. And once you start giving yourself more and more hope and start realizing, okay, the mind starts to be, okay, what are you doing? We're supposed to be going right and you're going left. You start then controlling your mind, start finding more in, you know, in yourself. And then it goes from 40% to a lot further than that. But that's the start of it though. Get to, get to the spot where your mind is saying, stop. Wherever that is, you gotta get there first. And then that's when that shit starts to work for you. You gotta control yourself in that moment. Dude, we're gonna try to thread a really powerful needle right now. So your response to all of that has been so incredible. So, all right, mind has a governor. It starts to kick in when you hit pain. You're looking for areas of comfort. Most people then live their entire lives there. They never try to get out of it. But you had such a fascinating response. Uh, you said two things which I think need to be explored. One is that you created this alter ego, Goggins. Mm -hmm which I think is insanely powerful and it reminds me of Eminem talked about the same thing with creating Slim Shady was it was the way he once he had the persona he could face his fears and he could get up um, and then the other thing was you said you need to shut the fuck up and listen mm -hmm. but talking about just to yourself like not to try to get a distraction not social media not TV nothing like go in a room by yourself and really listen how do those two things, the, the creation of the alter ego and that listening to the, the sort of dark, hateful things that you're probably saying to yourself, how do those work together? So a lot of people can live with themselves. That's the first thing. A lot of people can live with themselves, look in the mirror and say, I'm okay with being afraid. I'm okay with going on this easy highway over here. The easy highway has all these fucking signs and shit, directions how to get somewhere. And you have to first be uncomfortable with how you feel about yourself with that voice that a lot of us like to run away from. We all have it. We all have that voice that say, hey man, you know, you're, you're kind of wimping out right now. You're kind of being a little punk right now. But a lot of us say, okay, that's okay. It's okay to tell these little white lies to ourselves. So we first have to face the real you. The real me is David Goggins. The real me is the guy looking at you right now saying, I don't want to fucking be on this show right now because I used to stutter as a kid. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that here in a second, I'm gonna start fucking stammering and stuttering and the whole world is gonna know that I have all these issues. But that's when I see right now, okay Goggins, you gotta go on this fucking show. That's Goggins. Goggins is saying, okay David Goggins, you're a punk. Life made you this way. We can't live like this. We can't live in fear. We can't live in judgment. 
We can't be afraid of what the fuck people right now are looking at me saying about me. We cannot be afraid of that. That's Goggins. Goggins saying, fuck all of you who don't like me, who don't want to. And that person then comes in. But you have to be David Goggins and say, man, I'm afraid of this. I'm fucked up here. Life made me this way here. I stutter. I, I have these issues with, with, with uh, reading and writing and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fat and I'm insecure. You have to face that in that dark room. In that dark room is who you are. But in that dark room is where you have to create another human being that walks out of that dark room to face who you are. That's the only way you're going to get over all those things. You have to create someone else. Not like you have two different personalities. It is you. But you have to find strength. And that visualization of almost me cracking out Goggins, like almost like that Superman cape, like, like, like I'm coming out a different person, a person that doesn't give a fuck about anything, who doesn't care about being judged, who knows I'm weak, who knows I'm afraid, who says, whatever you think about me, take it, whatever, I'm here. That's Goggins. In the dark room, you face yourself, you realize you want to be better, you realize you don't want to be this weak, insecure person in the world who has all these problems that we all have. We all have. Social media is a great platform to tell you who we want to be, not who we are. So that's where that dark room is. I didn't know if you were going to be able to surprise me today because I, I know you so well from sitting across from you, from researching you as much as I have. But I just really got emotional as you were going through that because it's so tempting to make you extraordinary as a way to not have to live up to your standard. Like even now, and I don't do it on purpose because I know better than that and I want to be extraordinary myself. But even I, like I find myself getting caught up in that and hearing you just now talk about still being nervous that you're gonna start stammering. Like if, if people really hear that you're the way that you are now, not because you pretend like you don't have those things, but because you face them so fully and that you're able to like look at that, be accountable and, and talk so raw to yourself, like, dude, that's when, like, again, I have the fucking chills because when you think about what, you're, what any of us are going to be able to achieve in our lives, it's because we finally get willing to look in the mirror and say, you're dumb, you're fat. And I know right now people are freaking out when they hear me say that. But talk to me about raw talk. Talk to me about how you started talking to yourself in the mirror because if they get this, David, like, this is the transformational moment. So in my book, I talk about it a lot. Um... It was my junior year in high school, and I fell back a lot. I fell back in this fucking hole of life. The second you think that you've overcome it and you've climbed Everest, you're on that last hold, and life will say, <laughs> not today, motherfucker. And it'll push you down. And my junior year in high school, I uh, missed a whole bunch of school, was lying to my mom, had like a one-point-something GPA. I was just jacked up. I mean, it was, it's, I was in one, one of the worst spots of my life. And my mom was going through a lot of shit too. And she didn't have time to sit back and baby me. And it was me against me. My pants were down to my knees. I was just, I was not, whatever was going on, I was in a bad shape. So I went to the bathroom and I had this weird haircut because I wanted attention. I was an attention getter. I went to an all white school pretty much. Um, some of the kids liked me, a lot of them didn't like me, whatever. Didn't fucking matter. I was looking for something. So I would dress differently, crazy haircuts. And I went to the mirror and the reflection in it revealed a lot of bad things. A lot of things that I was hiding behind the saggy pants. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror going like, God, dog, dude, you, gotta, you are something else, man. Like you have created a character. I want to be at the cool guy table. And whatever I could do to, to, to get attention, I did. And it wasn't me. It wasn't who I was inside. But I was scared for anybody to know who I was inside. So in that accountability mirror, I call it, I got real with myself. And I said, you have a, a third grade reading level, which is hard to admit when you're a junior in high school that you copied on every single thing you did because of fear they're going to put me in a special school. We all know what special means. I'm going to have a, a title on myself the rest of my life. And being cool, you don't have a title on yourself. So I started cheating. I was dumb. And people say, oh, you know, you had a learning disability. I had a learning disability, but I realized I was lazy. So um, I called myself out there. 
I called myself out every which way possible. I didn't call myself out. I was just honest. I was honest. Look at yourself, man. Look at yourself. And it was that day in a couple of days after that, I just got real with myself. And every day I came home, I called the accountability mirror. What am I going to do today to change what I see in this mirror? What am I going to do today? And a lot of it was I stopped sitting with the cool guys. I actually tucked my shirt in and went to school looking like, hey, man, this is how I'm going to look. If you don't like it, so be it. I had to really wear this, this, this layer of skin. I had to develop a really callous skin on me to, to take whatever you're going to call me, you're going to call me. Whatever I'm going to be, you know, I want a geek, but whoever I am, you're going to see me. You're going to see me for who I am because I need to change who I'm not. And that accountability mirror just became raw. And I became fat over the years because I fell back in the hole. I called myself fat because I was fat. And people don't want to do that. They want to say, oh, don't call yourself fat. Don't call yourself dumb. If you're not real and raw with who the fuck you are, nothing's going to change. And in this nice new world that we live in, we want to hear you're just a little big. No, man, you might be fat. And it's okay to hear that from yourself and from everybody else. So that's where it started at. And it's raw. It, it gets ugly sometimes with me in that mirror. But I'm also proud of myself to be able to tell myself that and then fix what's in that mirror. That, that's what hits me. And that's what I really want people to hear is that you can say those things, A, because they're true, and B, because you can fix them. Right. And your whole life has been about addressing those things. Mm -hmm. So walk us through how in the book mm -hmm. do you help people start addressing it because that's what I think is so powerful about your book. So the first thing about it is once you realize it, and you have to realize it, you got to call yourself out. Addressing it is very small. It's, it, like, it doesn't go from like one morning, I'm this way, next morning I wake up and presto, the, you know, five steps to greatness. No, <laughs> it ain't that, brother. You read my book, this is hard work. It's every day, like, like right now. I had to be honest with you, man. I'm even shaking right now being on this show. I'm a big time introvert. How you address it is you face it. You face it every day. You face it every single day of your life where you say, okay, like if you're fat, you need to lose weight. It's patience. It's patience in this fact of accepting who you are right now. I'm fat. I don't like myself. Accepting the fact that if you lose three or four pounds, that's a huge accomplishment. You have to live in your own fucking world. You cannot judge yourself. That's why social media and all these things are horrible. You can't judge yourself off of the so-called competition that we have made up in our mind. The things that how people look, how people act, how smart someone is. This is a race that you run completely alone. And you're all by yourself. I had tons of sticky notes all over my mirror. It wasn't like be better than John or be as fast as whoever. Okay, David, yesterday you did this. Today, our next goal for the week is this. So I had a year goal, weekly goals, daily goals, hourly goals. And the big goal was I lied a lot growing up. I wanted to be accepted. One goal was let's go one day without lying. Let's go one day. And then when I would lie to somebody, I would say, hey, man, now go, I had to go back now. And apologize, hey man, I lied to you. You know how hard it is to go back to somebody and say, I lied to you? Hey man, you know what? Back there, I lied to you, dude. I, I was really jacked up. So I figured out these ways of total, total accountability. Like right now, I had to run this morning before I talked to you. Because why? That's what I'm about. I'm about mind, mat, body, fitness. A lot of folks talk so much shit about, hey, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Are you accountable for what you're doing? Are you accountable? And I mean to the T for what you're saying. I am. And that's where it started. It started with that total, total accountability of let's not lie today. Let's tell people the truth about who you are. And when you can get on and tell someone like I'm doing right now exactly how fucked up you are, that's the goal in life. To put your life on a billboard, on the busiest road, in the busiest highway in the world and say, this is how fucked up I used to be. Take it or leave it. The first time we talked, I didn't really understand um, why the, the, um, 
being called a Niger on your book and you said that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because the principal told me, oh, they're just ignorant. And you said that in that moment, I realized nobody was coming to save me and it hit me, right. but it, I didn't really understand it until I read the book and in reading the book, really understanding how one thing after another from the abuse from your father to fleeing that to your mom being MIA and then thinking she's finally found love and then the fucking guy gets murdered the day after Christmas. I was like, really no one came to save you. No. And seeing that now and hearing you tell these stories, I realize like that's the crux of the power. But how did you stop feeling sorry for yourself? When you really sit back at your life and you're in that dark room and you're looking at where you started from and you tell yourself, God, dog, man, my, my mom is this way. My soon-to-be stepdad got murdered. My dad beat the shit out of me. I can't read and write to save my fucking soul. I've lied about it to everybody. I've cheated on all these tests. My God, man. And then you put a goal in your mind. How are you going to feel, man, when you accomplish this goal coming from that shit? Coming from the fucking hell you came from. A lot of people start from a good starting point. They have a good foundation. What if you can surpass all of these motherfuckers? What if everybody who was fucking way up here started up here? And you had, you started with no legs. You had to grow fucking legs to even start walking and then crawling and then running. And then you start passing people with all this given to them. I had to use all this negative shit that was making me weak and horrible as a person. I had to use this as the power that now fueled me. I had to flip it on its head and say, hold up. This might be exactly what I need. The darkness is exactly what I need. It's how you look at your situation. And I was looking at it all fucked up. In the book, you tell people to make a list mm -hmm. of everything working against them, every real valid excuse. Right. Why do you have them do that? There's a lot of power in that list. So in that list of who you are, what makes you fucked up, all these other things, it goes back to, once again, accepting. You have to first accept it before you can fix it. A lot of people walk around, oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. You have to accept what you're not. You have to, and people don't want to do that. And that's the only way you can fix it. You have to accept it first before you can go on the journey. A lot of folks never even start the journey, man. They never start the journey because they live in this fake life that who they want to be, they act like they are, but they're not because they haven't fixed all this stuff yet. You got to fix this first before we can start our journey in life. So that's why I have them make this list. You fix these problems, now your journey can begin because you no longer care about how people are judging you. When, you. when you care more about how someone's judging you, you're going to stay right there. There's no forward momentum. So, that, so that's what. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com.
If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride. Because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply think about that list all right, speaking of making that list, accepting where you're at so that you can address it. In the book, you talk about like what the things are that you're gonna be doing, you're gonna be putting the list together. Mm -hmm. How do people go about using, I don't know if it's the accountability mirror, how do they go about addressing each of those issues? Okay, so let's say the first one is, you're not the smartest person in school. I had that issue. So my big thing was how I addressed that problem was I had to sit down. Each thing that is wrong with you has to be a focal point. You can't look at this gigantic list and say, I got to change all this shit. My God, this is crazy. No, you take off the first one. I want to be smarter. For me, that was my thing. I have to, I have to become more intelligent. I have such a severe learning disability. I, mean, I can't retain shit. I had to now get that one thing and then strategize in that one problem. How can I do this? I'm not gonna learn like you. I'm not gonna learn like anybody else. How am I gonna figure this out? So I then figured out, okay, where are my strengths here? Where are my weaknesses in learning? All right, man, how am I gonna do this? And I figured out a way to do it by just strategizing. So how I learn to this day, if I have a big manual to study, I will have to get a bunch of spiral notebooks from the, from the daggone store and each page, I have to write each page out, maybe 10 times. So there was a thousand page dive manual that I got 18 months before I went to dive school. Most people, I'm not smart, I'm gonna go see if I can pass this test. I realized, hang on a second, I'm not smart. How can I get past this? How can I get through this obstacle? I need to get, I need to acquire this book 18 months in advance because it could take me 18 months to write down each page over and over again to then put it to memory. So when the question came up, I had written that question so many times down in that, in, on, you know, on paper that I can recall, okay, page 71 was where I remember seeing this and I can recall it that way. And that's how I did it. So you got to strategize on each problem you have in life. Slowly break down that problem. Don't think about all the problems you have, just one at a time. And before you know it, you fix all these problems, but you cannot focus on all of them, just on the one thing at a time. There's a concept in your book that it permeates the whole book and I think really is one of the most important things for people to understand in their own life, certainly to understand you, and it's the notion of detesting mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. How, do you, how did you instill it in your life? How can other people instill it in theirs? It's one of the biggest things in the world. A lot of us, mediocrity is everywhere right now. And we're always trying to find an easy way out. And we're judging ourselves. Let's say there's 10 people in this room and we're all mediocre. But I'm the best of the mediocre people. I now think I'm great. I'm great. We surround ourselves around people that make us feel great. They, Tell us what we want to hear. The second we put ourselves amongst the uncommon people, we don't like that feeling, that challenging feeling that, of, of that person who's waking up at 3.30 in the morning and saying, hey, put your shit on, we're going for a run. We don't like that challenge. We like that person who says, hey, you know what, man, I don't feel good today, man. And they say, oh, it's okay, brother. We'll take a day off, man. We'll get a pizza and shit, watch the game. We like that. We, we love that feeling. Why? Because you understand, man, we're good, bro. We don't want that motherfuckers like this. Hey, man, no, bro. Get your fucking shit on, man. Stop being a punk. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want that person who's constantly challenging our weaknesses. 
We want that person who's constantly, you know, making us feel nice and good and secure in ours. That's the mediocrity of life. We want to be the best amongst the average people. People wonder, how do you stay hungry all the time? Because after I accomplish something, I don't sit back like a lot of guys who graduate buds, graduate this, graduate that. They get comfortable. They wonder why I'm getting weak, man. I don't know. I lost my edge. What's going on? Because once you hit the top of the fucking mountain, guess what happened? I'm good. I'm good. So you wonder why you're falling down now. Because once you reach the top of the mountain, you got to build a fucking other one. That's mediocrity. There's a lot of people in mediocrity who have a nice resume. But they're one-timers, man. They hit, they hit a one-time deal. They busted it open, got a lot of money. But they're good. You're mediocre now, man. What are you fucking doing today, tomorrow, the next fucking day? That's why I don't listen to theorists. I don't listen to all that bullshit. I listen to a motherfucker who's like this, man. What's wrong, man? I'm fucking tired, dude. Why are you tired? Because tomorrow, I got to do the fucking shit again, man. Whatever the shit is that made me fucking nauseous and sick to my stomach, it made me hurt. There's no ending. And that's the person I listen to. That's the person who's gained knowledge. You gain knowledge through suffering. And on the other end of suffering is a world that very few, very few have ever seen. It's a beautiful world because that's where you find yourself. You don't find yourself in over here. You find yourself on the other end. Like, like the 100 mile race I was on, I ran it for 24 hours. I found myself on the other end of that fucking race. That 19 hours, I found, wow, there's a whole nother fucking world out here that I've never even saw. But the world's in your mind. And that's what all that mediocrity is about. Mediocrity is contagious. Talk to me about not getting civilized. Not getting civilized is about having a savage mentality. Civilized is something where people, um, it's, a, it's, it's a comfortable world. A lot of us say, you know, like for instance, I see these athletes right now who retire, you know, I'm 38, you know, I'm 39, I did 20 years at the top of my game, and I'm chilling out now. You see them a year later, and how they look. What the hell just happened to you, dude? What the hell? You're one of the greatest athletes of all time. Kids looked up to you. Women, men of all ages looked up to you. And they hit the pinnacle where it's time to retire. And their mind says, I'm civilized. The worst thing that could ever happen to any human being is they become civilized. It's that total accountability. Like even when you retire, there's a motherfucker looking at me and judging me right now, man. I'm... I was the baddest person to ever live. It doesn't go away, man. You got to wake up. Even though you retired, you never retired. You're setting the example every single day of your life. And being civilized feels so good. But I'm sorry, man. Once you get to the top, you may retire, but you ain't never coming back home, man. Because now you're judged. People see you falling off. You want to be that guy who knows I may be retired, from the sport or forever I did, but I'd be damned if you ever see me looking like shit, feeling like shit, not arriving. People, I've arrived. I've arrived mentality. You're always setting the example. Civilization feels so good. These comfortable feelings are what people want. They want retirement. They want that, they need that. They, it's, a, it's a yearning feeling. I want it too. People love putting a label on me about, my God, man, you're just wired different. I'm not fucking wired different, dude. I'm thinking right now, after I got past my stuttering thing, now I'm on a roll, I'm good now. You know what I'm thinking about right now? I got to fucking wake up tomorrow and do the same shit again. I got to leave this fucking interview and go stretch out for two and a half hours. I hate that shit. <laughs> but guess what it does, though? I'm constantly callousing over my victim's mentality that I once had growing up. Every day you have to do this shit. Cause why, when you stop doing it, you don't just maintain it. If you stop shooting a gun, you're not gonna be a great shot if you pick a gun up a year from now. The only way to keep from getting rusty is to constantly owe that motherfucking machine. The machine is this. You gotta keep challenging it every day. The way that I think about that is very, very similar. And I've got to imagine this is one of the things that makes you one of the most misunderstood humans on the planet. 
is to me driving that hard, being that hungry, pushing long after everybody stops has nothing to do with anybody but myself. And what I, my drug of choice is how I feel about myself when I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. Like nobody knows how hard I work mm -hmm. and nobody's ever going to know. Not even my wife is up enough to see how much I really work. Right. But it doesn't matter because the way that it makes me feel, like in this moment right now where I get to say, ah, the world doesn't know I could be lying, but I would know. And the way that I feel right now because I know how true it is that nobody's outworking me. That to me is the juice. And when people understand that what you're fighting to build, the reason that I'm wearing a shirt that says, what would Goggins do? The reason that I chant Goggins, like the crowd before we started rolling the cameras chanting Goggins. The reason that's so resonant is because they want to do something for themselves. They want to feel some kind of way about themselves. Mm -hmm. Now that you've become like this big ass speaker, mm -hmm. what do people come up to you and ask you the most? How do I do it? How am I able to do what I do on a daily basis? You know, how do I fight the demons? Because they hear me speak and I'm very raw and real. How do you fight my insecurities, all these things? And uh, I, they're there every day. They're there every day. Like you said, I'm in search for a feeling. I'm not in search for a trophy. I'm not in search for love. I'm not in search for more followers on Instagram or social media. When I started this journey years ago and I realized that I'm going to be somebody and I'm searching for a feeling, a feeling of true victory for myself and only myself. The second I shut out the whole world and realized that one thing, that I am in this world alone, I'm fighting in this race by myself. Yeah, I'm all about people. I'm all about team. I'm all about that shit. But I'm really all about right now and in my life. Just like you said, no one knows the real truth about me, how hard I really go. I don't care if anybody knows. I don't want anybody to know. I'm an introvert. I live an introverted life, and I love that about me. It, that right there is my fuel, is I know that there's really no one out there grinding like me. And if they are, so be it. If I know about you, I'll make sure that up my gang. <laughs> That's what the mentality is all about. My whole thing is a mentality thing. Like I told you in the last time I was on the show, I viewed myself as the weakest person on the planet Earth. My goal in life was to, in my mind, believe I'm the hardest man alive. And that's why the whole thing is can't hurt me. That's what it's about. It's about whatever you think you are, you have to make that dream a reality. But that's where the hard part is is making that dream reality. That's where the hard work comes. That's where people know, how do you keep grinding every day? You have to make those insecurities, those fears. Like when I was 300 pounds, I didn't have any drive. I'm gonna go be a Navy SEAL. What kind of stupid shit is that, 300 pounds? There wasn't like a drive to go be a Navy SEAL. I was an insecure, lying kid, afraid. I had to look in my insecurities and in my fear and find drive in that. We're all looking for passion. Passion's all around you. You have a whole, a whole fucking stack of it all around you. It's your insecurities, all that shit. You got to dive deep in that shit. All the, it's, it's all in there. All the energy and fuel you need is right in yourself. It's all there. You got a lot of stuff to do to overcome. And, you know, that's where I found it. I found it right there in my own insecurities. I found drive in my own insecurities. And that's, that's the most powerful thing in the world. When you can find drive in your own doubt, fear, insecurities, you become very unstoppable. You may have just changed me at a deep and fundamental level. I've never thought about it like that. So the number one question I get asked is how do I find my passion? Mm -hmm. To which the answer is um, very rudimentary and maybe ultimately not as true and powerful as what you just said, which is, there's another thing I need to tie this to that you talk about in the book, which is people have lost touch with their bodies. Mm -hmm. And you always tell people, if you want to change, go do something physically fucking demanding. Like yeah. go find yourself in the suffering and in the pain of doing something with your body. Yes. 
It is utterly fascinating to me, and it's just hitting me now. I'd never heard you say that before, so I, I'll reserve final judgment for round three when we come back together. But the thought of you feel lost, you feel insecure, you don't have a passion, you don't know what to do, you're reaching out to somebody, you need that help, you know you could do more, be more, and the answer is, you. in the last interview we did, you called it the bag of fuck, if I remember yes. right. Yes, You That's reach into the bag of fuck and start changing those yes. one by one, that may be the most extraordinary piece of advice I've ever heard. In fact, I will say, the way it's hitting me right now, that's the single most extraordinary piece of advice for self-transformation I've ever heard. It's the truth. Who is sitting here right now today? This is the real me, obviously. But um, I'm gonna go kinda, I'm, I'm a very philosophical person. And I'm going to go there with you real quick. I believe in a higher power. Don't know the name. Don't know where it's coming from. Don't know anything like that. But I believe that this power, and visualize me real quick. Let's say it's a man up there or a woman, whatever. And they have a chart. And when you're born, they say David Goggins. Born February 17th, 1975 at 6 a.m. They write the chart down because they can see everything. They know exactly what you're fucking supposed to be. They know what you're supposed to be. You die, you go to so-called heaven. You arrive at heaven, I'm 300 pounds. I retired as an Ecolab guy, which is okay. It's just a job, whatever. I go up there and God looks at me and he shows me my chart. And my chart on there says you were supposed to be a Navy SEAL. You're supposed to weigh 185 pounds. You're supposed to be one of the smartest people on the planet, this, this, all this. You see this. And now you're in heaven, you made it to heaven, but you're like, God, Doug, I was supposed to live that life. I was supposed to live that life. And then you find out that the reason why, because we all think that if we pray on it, if we do this, if we do that, whatever, if we don't work, we just, whatever, it's going to magically happen for us. No, I believe that when I'm all said and done with, my whole job is to outwork the chart. Whatever the fucking chart says about me, the all-knowing power up there, I want to get up there and say, him look at me and say, I know everything. I didn't fucking see this. <laughs> I didn't fucking see this. I want to feel that. I want to get to the other end of this fucking world. And however I'm being judged, whoever's judging me, to look at me and say, I did not fucking know. I, I had you at 185, I had you at this, but all this other shit, I was riding as you were living it. I want to, I want to find more, all I can. And in that fucking sack of shit, you have to dive in that to find more. Because if you're not willing to go in there and face yourself, you're not gonna find anything. You can live right here on surface, man, right here on surface. So if there is an ending to this world and there is somewhere to go and there's a judgment, you're gonna get there and you might see a chart and that chart may tell you who the fuck you should have been. And now you get the rest of your life to think about that. Man, I could have lived a much better life if I just would have just suffered a little bit more. If I just would have went in that shit and realized I had so much more. But fear and the 40% and living here versus living here, being afraid, stop me. So that's, I, I'm a big guy in visualizing. I'm a, I'm a big guy in making a world. It may not exist. To me, it does. To me, it does. And I'm, I'm overpowering myself every day. And you got to find tools to do that. That's the tool that I use. So that's what it's all about. God damn. You said in the book that the only thing to fear is the man staring back at you in the mirror. I thought that was insanely powerful and seems tied to this. Is there something else to that or is, is that what you're talking about? That's all I'm talking about. Like your, your biggest enemy, your biggest, the most important conversation you will ever have in your fucking life is the one you have with yourself. You wake up with it, you walk around with it, you go to bed with it, eventually you're gonna act on it. Whether you're good or bad, you have to, that's why the whole thing about this book I have 
It's about you. It is about you. It's strictly about you finding who you are. So many people die, live 100 years, never fucking know who they are. Never know who they are. You have to look in that mirror and know this, there's so much more in here, man. Because I can literally right now be a 300-pound guy spraying for cockroaches. Still to this day, if I did not look in that mirror and say, there, there has to be more to this. This can't be it. And then willing to go into it, dive deep into it, and give all I have to find it. So that's what, it's, that's what all that's about. And all that you've done and all that you've been through, help me understand when you were given the, you did not have a happy childhood, I think that would be very fair to say. When you were given the VFW award recently mm -hmm. and you were listening to people that had impacted you and you got to your mom, mm -hmm. you couldn't even speak. Yeah, uh, it almost chokes me up now. Um, so I get the VFW award for the, uh, for the um, Americanism Award, for military service and giving back. I'm as human as human can be. That's why what you see is what you get. Um, at that moment when I was giving my speech, and I thanked my uncle for being there, and I got to my mom, it wasn't just about her. It was, I, I, I know what she went through, I know what I went through, and we got knocked down so much. I had a moment in front of all these great American heroes where I had a chance, it was like so fast, it went through me like, like lightning of, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm getting an award like this. That, that kid who was in the fetal position, the majority of his life, and so much the fact that my body and my hip flexors are tight to this day, that even though I was standing erect, my mind was in the fetal position. And when I looked out amongst all those people, it was a sense of pride that <clears throat> I can't even, I can't even explain. It's the moments of three hell weeks. It's the moments of in that room by myself studying for hours and hours and I was trying to catch up with all the kids who were above me. <clears throat> it's just those moments, like the real raw moments of life that was like, boom, hit me and we're gone. But I was like, I did that, I overcame that shit. You know, it's like, it's this power behind all that shit. And that's the feeling I was looking for in my life. I found it. it wasn't money, it wasn't fame, it wasn't awards. It, it was that feeling I have right now. The feeling of, I'm about to break down, but it's not of like, oh my God, I'm upset. It's like I worked myself so hard that I turned a person this fucked up into this motherfucker right here. Not off of reading a fucking book off a theorist, off of going to work on myself and saying, I don't know how to do this, but I know that to get over there to that fucking side, I gotta grind myself into a fucking fine powder. And I did it. I did it off a of sure will. And very few people will know how that feels. Very few. I love that more than you could possibly know. Before I ask my last question, tell these guys where they can find the book. So the book right now is called Can't Hurt Me by, by David Goggins. And it's on Amazon right now. It's a raw, real book. It's not a five-step book. It's a real book about developing habits on how to overcome yourself. And I believe all of us humans have an equation like, you know, pi is 3.14. That's how you solve for that equation. Every human being has a different equation. And there's not like some cookie cutter book of, hey, read this book and you'll be fixed. No, you gotta figure out your own personal equation. And once you figure out that equation, you now become a mathematical fucking genius about yourself. And that's what this book does. It makes you a fucking genius about who the fuck you are. And then from there, 
Once you realize 3.14 is pi, you can solve any fucking equation in the world. That's what it's about. I love that. All right. My last question. What's the impact that you want to have on the world? The impact I want to have on the world is for everybody to be able to face who they are. I want to have that kind of impact where you can go on TV. You can put your life on a billboard. You're not ashamed of who the fuck you are. You're not ashamed of what life made you, what you helped life make you. All that shit, all that bad shit that's now in this big pot that's stirring. You're no longer ashamed of it. You realize we're all fucked up. Stop judging yourself against other fucked up people who have hidden it better than you. That's all they've done. They've masked their shit better than you have, and now they're flipping it back on you and saying you're fucked up. I want you to realize that this world, life, is one big head game. And once you learn to play the motherfucking head game, it's no longer a game anymore at all. You can start living your life. I love that. David, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Man. Buy this book. I read it. It is extraordinary. It is one of the most amazing manuals for how to change your life ever. And just this interview, I think, could be transformative for some people. And the book goes into so much more detail and really reaches into you and shows you how to do it in your own life. He helps you find that 3.14 for you so that you can go out and do the things that you need to do. But the things that I hope that you take away from him, be honest with yourself, be raw, but understand that you can fix it. Stop tolerating mediocrity. You have to detest mediocrity in your life and you have to understand the only way you're going to meet yourself is through pain and suffering. And if you can become a master of suffering, the things that you can do with your life are truly unlimited. You can truly break free of all of the limiting beliefs that you've put on yourself, your circumstances put on you, your family has put on you, experts have put on you, whoever it is. You can get rid of all of that and completely blow your own mind with what you're capable of. And one day, you will have a shirt that instead of saying, what would Goggins do? You'll be asking, what would I do? Because you're the right person to ask. And when you get to that point, nothing will ever be the same. Get the book. All right, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. David, you motherfucker. That was so fucking good. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. <laughs>